Welcome to Fine Laws Don't Judge Me, the podcast about the law in real life. I'm your, I guess, host for the week, Andy Leonetti. The always imitated but never duplicated Laura Temi is not here to uh, to steer the ship this week. Uh, joining me today is Veda Heatmetha. Hello. What's and, up, Andy? And also Joe Fabush. Hey, everybody. We're off to a good start. Nice job, Andy. <laughs> Big shoes to fill, I know. <laughs> and Joe is getting his wish again. It seems to me from a from a layman's perspective that very few things in this world bring Joe Fawbush pleasure. Uh, um, <laughs> you know. Except uh, video games, and that, which we've talked about before, and sports, which we've talked about before. And now we're going to combine sports and gambling. So I'm wondering if I get to learn more interesting things about Joe this week. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, we could just scrap this whole legal conversation thing and we could work on who I should start as a replacement by player like uh, (laughs) for my fantasy football league. We can do that. But yeah, no, many things in life give me pleasure, but few as much as gambling and uh, particularly (laughs) fantasy football. There's a reason that you guys picked this topic for when Laura's out, right? (laughs) Well, we have we have forced Laura to talk about sports before. She did not enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, so fantasy football is a game that you play where you select players who are, are real players uh, that goes through the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA, and you draft real players, and then you play friends or you go online, and you base your score on how well they do during that game. So if they score a touchdown, you get points. Uh, You know, if you pick a defense and they get an interception, you get points. And you add up all the total points on your team. And then whoever gets the most points wins. Basically, you're pretending to be a general manager of a professional sports team. And do they win money, Joe? They do, yes. Yes. Uh, There are Historically, what you did with fantasy football was you would get together with a group of friends and it would almost be like a a poker night or something where everybody puts in a set amount you draft a team and then you go through the year and whoever has the most games won at the end of the season wins the jackpot and you get a nice little treat for yourself afterwards for winning I've participated in a, uh, not anymore, I, I did participate in a keeper fantasy hockey league for many years. And so a, a keeper league is where you get to, it's like, it's a multi-year fantasy league where you, at the end of the season, you get to retain a certain amount of players and then you can get a little more, you can get a little more granular with like trading draft picks and stuff for in, in, in the out years. Um, I was very bad at it. So we played for no money. Um, (laughs) I was, I was a big March madness person, but that's because I like basketball and I really don't give a rats behind about football. (laughs) So I've never done the fantasy football. Well, yeah, like I said, you can do fantasy basketball. That's becoming pretty big. Uh, baseball is huge. And yeah, Andy, to your point, there's about 8 million variations on it now because it's so big. So depending on 
how intense you want to be, you could uh, do it at a at work for no money, or you know, you could mm-hmm. spend basically your whole life playing fantasy sports. And and some people do. Some people have made it their full time job to play, and and some people do really really well. So they actually make a pretty good living based just on fantasy sports. Just makes it sound a lot like gambling, right? Yeah, well, it is a lot like gambling. Uh, and it's currently, sports gambling, that is, is about a $200 billion industry. Sports betting, as you may know, is now legal in about two dozen states uh, with more on the way. And yeah, I mean, it's it's only increasing. I think just in September in the state of New Jersey alone, people gambled $1 billion Uh People oh. would come over from New York because New York right now it's it's not legal to bet online, so you'll actually get bike commuters going across the bridge into New Jersey and uh, pulling out their phones on the George Washington Bridge once they get across, and then gambling there and then riding their bikes back across the bridge. Now, now go into that a little bit more for me, Joe, because when I was reading about sports gambling this week, I did not realize. I thought with like the online betting being legalized in certain states, I guess I was just under the impression that like me residing in a state, I reside now in Missouri where where online sports betting is not legal yet, but it is legal, you know, like you were saying in other states. And I just thought I could bet on like, say, an Illinois sports book online from the comfort of my home. You still have to go to the state? Yeah, you do. Uh, well, I mean, it depends. I don't know off the top of my head Missouri state laws, but yeah, you f- you physically have to be in a location where online sports gambling is allowed in order to do it legally. Now, could I get a could I get around that with a VPN? <laughs> well, on this show, we do not advocate breaking any laws, so I I can neither confirm nor deny whether that would be. The case. I do oh. not do that. Okay. Um, I, do, I don't I don't gamble on sports. I know my parents yeah. are listening, and <laughs> rest assured, I do not gamble on sports. <laughs> yeah. And and actually, to be clear, I don't do the daily fantasy either. Um, I just do the old traditional way. Um, so I'm I, I have tried it before, but yeah, it's a little it's a little too intense for me. So we're you don't do any sort of like you're just gonna lay down a thousand bucks on the Vikings this weekend to cover the spread or something. Yeah, no, that is uh that's too, I hate losing too much. So I okay. can't, uh, I, I can't do that, but I do like, I do like the fantasy football part of it. Okay. Like the, the season long ones, but no, I do not do daily fantasy. It's a, it's a little too intense for me. The system is kind of all over the place since it's state by state and complicated by the fact that some states only allow in-person betting while some allow online as well. So it's hard to sort of impose like a national standard on that. Yeah. And I don't know if you want to get into it now, but there was, of course, the federal law uh, that did prohibit online sports gambling, PAPSA, and that was overturned in the 2018 SCOTUS decision. But Vedahi, I know um, you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the new issues that are coming up with some of these companies that are making a splash in the industry. Like we mentioned, we've got you know $200 billion at stake in this industry. And I know with 
DraftKings and uh, a few other large companies, there's some interesting legal issues going on. There's a lot of legal issues going on. Um, One is just a consequence of the rebranding from traditional sports to sports betting that has come up in the past um, couple decades, maybe. Um, Interestingly enough, uh, a major new player on the field of sports betting, Bally Sports, it seems to have come about as a result of federal regulation. (laughs) Andy Andy has a love-hate relationship with Bally. Is that right? It's mostly hate. What I was telling you earlier was that I love to gripe about how much I hate them. (laughs) Well, let me tell you a little bit about how they came about. I guess it was like a federal regulation backfire of sorts. Um, So back a couple years ago when Disney was trying to just like flex and basically buy everyone out, um, it was trying to buy as well, among other companies, 21st Century Fox which of course includes a ton of Fox's sport networks. They have 22 regional sports networks, RSNs, I guess. Um, So when they were trying to do that, the DOJ, the Department of Justice, actually tried to block Disney from buying Fox because it feared that Disney, who owned and owns 80% of ESPN, it feared that Disney would that would create like anti-competitive conflicts, saying that um, American consumers benefit from head-to-head competition between ESPN and Fox's cable sports. So this prevents subscription prices from climbing too high. So in you know in in, in settling that basically the, the DOJ eventually agreed to settle with Disney and let it buy Fox if it divested the regional sports networks. Um, meaning selling them to a third party. So consequently, Disney, in buying Fox, had to sell the RSNs to Sinclair Broadcast Group, which rebranded Fox's regional sports networks as your favorite, Bally Sports. And this was actually named after the casino operator Bally's as a part of a marketing campaign to establish closer ties to the gambling industry. It hasn't happened yet, but... Well, first off, let me just, this is totally unrelated, but you know what? Bally sports really sucks. Um, <laughs> they, they, have, they have made it uh, nearly impossible to access programming on uh, streaming services like YouTube TV and Sling, um, meaning a lot of people are all of a sudden cut off from local broadcasts of their sports teams like me. Now I cannot watch the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, or the St. Louis Blues. Um, and then secondly, which is my other like huge problem that ac- actually hasn't happened yet, but I just know it's going to happen because this country just continues to get more and more tacky by the, by the year, is that <laughs> we will have uh, live, live prop betting during broadcasts on Bally Sports Networks because... I, they're going to figure out a way to tie in the broadcast on the network to your Bally Sports app on your phone, and they're going to say things like, folks, is Kirk Cousins going to throw an interception on the next on the next series? Uh, head to your app right now to place your to place your place your prop bet. And you would not be alone in getting very annoyed by the like 
huge wave of sports betting ads and free money offers. People everywhere are getting annoyed by them, by like these increasing ads for sports betting. But more importantly, it's also beginning to concern regulators. Um, So DraftKings and FanDuel, big, big sports betting companies like Joe mentioned, they, they and others are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing for sports wagering. Um, and it's concerning regular regulators, at least at the state level. So a New Jersey regulator warns, quote, if the industry does not control itself, the government will step in and certainly create standards that the industry may not want. Um, and in Colorado, where right now both sports betting and, of course, marijuana are legal, um, people... Uh, the Coloradans are getting, they're issuing so many complaints, like viewers are getting so annoyed uh, with these ads that regulators there are thinking about imposing ad restrictions for sports betting similar to those they put in place for marijuana ads. Yes, I love big government. Do it. (laughs) (laughs) So the NFL imposed a limit of six gambling ads a game and available to only league-approved companies, and they just unveiled a new problem gambling campaign Quote, stick to your game plan. Always bet responsibly. Um, the American Gambling Association has tried to issue like a code of responsible marketing for sports betting. So like ads can't target underage fans, can't be placed on toys, have to have to include irresponsible irres- gambling messages and help information. But um, we'll just see how that how that goes in the future, I guess. <laughs> well, it, it's going to be hard to get buy in from like the major league baseball. I mean, originally when this was happening, all of the major professional sports leagues were against gambling, but now they've seen increased viewership due to these this online sports betting craze. And not only that, but major league baseball has actually invested in uh, a lot of these companies that are taking online wagers. Yeah, the Pete Rose scandal had really kind of made for however long ago that was, I don't even remember, um, had really kind of scared the leagues off of gambling. And they always tried to maintain a very like, this is, this is not carny BS. This is, this is, this is church, you know, (laughs) these sporting events and they are pure and they're good. And, oh, what's that? Lots of money. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And so now we see Drew Brees advertising for them. And, you know, so, yeah, they're they're all the way on the bandwagon. And um, they're trying to, like, go as far as they can in all kinds of weird niche sports. I mean, particularly because COVID really impacted what traditional sports could be played because a lot of things were canceled. So, for example, DraftKings uh, wasn't doing so hot a year ago, uh, especially because March Madness was canceled, which I think made it drop over like a third of its value um, because March Madness was, of course, like a big ticket item that it relied on people betting on. And so it had to go to these like insane backups that are, uh, for example, Belarusian soccer, Korean baseball and Russian <laughs> ping pong. I kid you not. <laughs> I don't know how well those did. You <laughs> Probably can, not as you, good as March Madness. You can also do daily fantasy now with uh, professional wrestling. I'll just rip the veil off here. I love pro wrestling. It is it is very stupid, and I love it. And it's also fake. Um, and so and so to be but to and so but to be able to do daily fantasy where money is on the line. If you had any sort of inside knowledge as to the script of this fake sport um 
I was actually just at a wedding rehearsal dinner this weekend where we had rented a room out for the rehearsal dinner. And after we had planned to rent this room out, the main part of this bar, this like bar restaurant, decided to have a live MMA ring there. So I get to the rehearsal dinner and there's like an ambulance on site. And I'm just like, oh my God, what's happening? Oh, it's there for the fact that it's hosting a live MMA match right outside <laughs> what should be a quiet and intimate wedding <laughs> Very much not what we expected. <laughs> I mean, the MMA is at least real. <laughs> to, to bring it back to, our, to this episode, MMA, <laughs> MMA is at least real. At least the outcome the outcomes of the fights. The The outcomes of the fights, right. Because most of these companies are operating on, you know, again, fantasy. Um, But some of them are operating on on wagering on on real sports. Is that right? Well, I was just me uh, with like um, pro wrestling. It's fake. The the outcome is predetermined. It's carny bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. And it would be interesting to know how people can like actually wager on that. Yeah. I feel like it's just screaming for some sort of investigation. (laughs) Um, Joe, what is, there's like some kind of classification for uh, sports betting as like a game of, it's a, it's, is it, is it right that it's been uh, construed by the federal, federal regulators as a game of skill and not I'm sorry, you know, skill and not chance, and that's why it's been passing muster. Yeah, yeah, this is actually a, a very interesting distinction that is not a clear line at all. So if you take something like poker or horse racing or fantasy sports, it's not an argument that there's a certain amount of skill involved. You have to know how to play poker. You have to know the rules. You have to be good at bluffing. And same with fantasy sports. You have to know the sport. You have to know who's good. You have to look at the matchups and see who you think is going to do well. And Or even just with, with sports betting, you know, you have to know what the line is going to be and whether a team can beat the spread or not. And so there is certainly an element of skill, but there's also an element of chance. The distinction has typically been that games of skill are not considered gambling and do not fall under a lot of the statutes that prohibit gambling, whereas games of chance are gambling and are therefore prohibited. So in certain cases, it was legal for things like fantasy sports to take place go ahead oh and so so there's a difference between sports betting and this word paramutual betting yeah paramutual betting is is more like horse racing more like fantasy sports and so federal law categorizes fantasy sports as a game of skill and not chance and i referenced this earlier but papsa was the 1992 federal law that basically prohibited online sports betting this did not, for a period of time, though, prohibit some DraftKings or FanDuel from allowing people to gamble on fantasy sports, including daily fantasy sports. Listeners who are in into fantasy sports probably remember that, you know, in 2015 or 2014, you could actually do you could play online poker, for example. Uh, you could play daily fantasy sports, and these were considered games of skill. And then things became awfully messy there for a while, and it went away. 
Yeah, I remember that. I had a lot of friends who lost a money, a lot of money playing playing online poker in like servers based in like Tuvalu and stuff. Yeah, and there was a lawsuit in New York about it and um they the bottom line is that the Supreme Court in 2018 ended up declaring the federal law unconstitutional. They used something called the anti-commandeering doctrine. This is a very little used doctrine that is judicially created. It's not in the text of the 10th Amendment. But under this doctrine, the federal government cannot require states or state officials to adopt or enforce a federal law. So uh, basically, Congress cannot tell a state that they need to that the state authorities need to enforce a federal law. You know, of course, Congress can pass laws that apply to all states, um, but this is You were were blowing this non-lawyer's mind for a second. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's it's an interesting distinction. Um, It's kind of a weird work. Yeah, it is. It's strange. It's it's really, it's a principle of federalism. Uh, It arose out of two court cases in the 1990s, back when the court was kind of starting to turn more toward federalism. Um, So it was, the two cases were Prince v. United States and New York v. U.S. in 1992. Uh, But outside of those court rulings, the doctrine really has no basis in constitutional law, uh, at least in my opinion. I'm sure that could be uh, argued. But uh, so under this anti-commandeering doctrine, the Supreme Court said that Congress could not prohibit states from repealing their own laws prohibiting sports gambling or enacting laws that allowed sports betting. They said this is the purview of the states. The states have wide latitude and state gaming commissions can kind of determine what is a game of skill and what is a game of chance and whether one is allowed or the other isn't. And basically, the Supreme Court said, okay, it's up to the states now. As a result, we have this sort of fractured state-by-state legislation, although my understanding is that most states have adopted this dominant factor test or predominance test to see whether a game is one of skill or one of chance and therefore considered illegal gambling, right? Yeah, so it's a little bit of a different issue. They're actually... There are two tests um, that are used, but the predominant uh, factor test is is the most common. And basically, like I was saying before, you know, a lot of these games have both skill and chance involved. Um, anybody who has ever played poker knows that you have to get the right cards at some point. You know, no matter how good you are, there's still an element of luck involved. But the test then is, is it predominantly about skill or is it predominantly about luck? And so some of these games, you can say, are predominantly about skill. And states that have this test generally have found that fantasy football and fantasy sports in general is a game of skill. Um, But that's kind of a distinction between fantasy sports and online sports betting yeah just like betting betting on a point spread or something right exactly yeah and so that's that's where states are really varying up their approaches because 
yeah, I think we mentioned uh, two dozen states have just said online sports betting is fine. We're all going to do it. We want a piece of that pie. We want to get our beaks wet. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes. I, <laughs> um, and then some states are are still holding out, but there there's not a lot of momentum against online sports betting and there is a lot of momentum for it because it's free revenue for the state a lot of people love sports and they love betting so there the momentum a lot of a lot of people a lot of people joe i've noticed (laughs) yeah yeah those crazy guys who who would ever do that (laughs) and complicating the state-by-state jurisdiction problem is of course that it's it's a big thing internationally and uh, some of these companies some of these American companies cross seas. Uh, For example, back in 2020, DraftKings um, had this huge kind of merger uh, as part of its IPO, its initial public offering when it wanted to go public uh, for stocks. Um, It merged with two companies. One was a special purpose acquisition company in SPAC, which is basically just like a shell company. They're also known as blank check companies. Um, yeah, so it's a shell company, not to be confused with the Shell Oil Company. A uh, shell company just is like a company that has no existing business operations or, you know, it, it has nothing going on. It's just created to be, raise money for an IP Or launder it. <laughs> or launder it. Um, and, you know, if they don't raise the money or if they don't acquire this, uh, if they don't make the acquisition in two years, they have to return the money to investors. So basically, uh, DraftKings merged with that. Um, to to raise money, but it also problematically merged with its own tech company. So uh, it's called SB Tech, which is a European tech company that was running DraftKings technology stuff. Um, it was like an inter- international provider. And so they wanted to vertically integrate and have its own tech provider in-house. Um, this tech provider accounted for a quarter of the merged company's total revenue once it had this merger. But this whole merger kind of landed DraftKings in a lot of legal problems. So this summer, DraftKings started facing legal inquiries from both the federal government and like civilian investors and shareholders. Um, In July, a shareholder proposed a class action suit against DraftKings, alleging that the company knowingly misrepresented this tech company, SB Tech, misrepresented SB Tech's legality, and DraftKings hid the fact that the tech company had a history of unlawful operations, which for shareholders means that the DraftKings revenues were unsustainable and the benefits of the merger had been overstated. And since this exposure increased DraftKings' regulatory and criminal risk, um, since it was getting revenue from the unlawful conduct on part of the tech company, that was bad news for shareholders. Then the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, subpoenaed DraftKings based on one of the seller's accusations that the company was exposed to black market gambling. And then there was this whole research uh, project that was done. This research group report found that 50% of this tech company, SB Tech, 50% of the revenue came from um, markets where gambling was banned, a lot of Asian markets. Uh, which exposed DraftKings to its these extensive dealings in the black market gaming and, and money laundering and organized crime, apparently, Andy. Uh, Wait, why are you... Is that an Italian thing? <laughs> no, because you, you alluded to money laundering earlier. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Why, 
<laughs> I'm teasing. I forget about that. Um, anyway, so at this point, when all this like hoopla was going on this summer, insiders started aggressively cashing out. So like insiders from SB Tech dumped 1.4 billion in stock since the company went public and the founder of SB Tech personally sold almost 600 million in shares. So they were all kind of like jumping ship. Um, And then just this month, another investor is now suing DraftKings based on this report uh, for a bunch of things, violations of SEC laws, unjust enrichment, abusive control, gross mismanagement, waste of corporate assets. Oh my. And he's arguing that the company has been substantially damaged and lost millions of dollars um, due to this legal fallout and that the inside executives knew about this and acted recklessly. And so they breached their duty to their shareholders. Um, It alleges that DraftKings allowed the tech company to continue these illegal operations. um, And it basically claims that DraftKings reputation is now forever damaged because this is a liar's discount, and it'll plague the company's stock in the future. Also, it alleges that the deal, uh, the uh, the initial, this, this whole merger, improperly enriched some of DraftKings' own co- company leaders, at least seven of who benefited from lucrative insider sales at artificially inflated prices for proceeds of about $825 million. They have been in legal trouble basically since... They started um, what you just said, Veda. He reminded me of a couple of years ago when employees at DraftKings and FanDuel, which together, I mean, have a virtual monopoly on the industry, um, they would get inside information from each other. Some employees, and uh, they ended up playing on the other site. Web, you know, they used the other site to gamble. And uh, I think one employee made something like $350,000 using inside information from, it was either DraftKings or FanDuel, and then bet on the other site. And they were kind of going back and forth. And yeah, it's just... Uh, I'm shocked to find gambling going on at this casino. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it, it just, yeah, the, the the two companies, they have been embroiled in, if it's not scandal, then uh, they've certainly had their share of, of complicated legal history. I mean, this might be a, a, a wrench in what seems to be like a, a DraftKings just trying to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, these lawsuits might be sort of a, a, a check to that because DraftKings was about to buy Entain, a, a UK sports gambling industry, for $22.4 billion and just backed out of that just now. So that it could be a result of some of these uh, lawsuits that it's, it's fearing getting too big. Well, and a couple of years ago, I think DraftKings and FanDuel tried to merge into one giant company, and that was that was prohibited. For obvious reasons. <laughs> for kind of the same reasons that Disney couldn't have both ESPN and Fox Sports. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're only allowed to have everything else. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> that was that was where we drew the line, I guess. Disney yeah. probably definitely would have DC Comics if it could. <laughs> Coming soon, Find Law brought to you by Disney presents Don't Judge Me. <laughs> Now, if I'm just a regular schmuck spending way too much of my... You are a regular schmuck. Yeah, that's that's true. Thank you. Um, 
it's no hypothetical. <laughs> now, let's say, but hypothetically, if I wanted to spend way too much of my uh, paycheck on daily fantasy or gambling on fo- taking the parlay on like four football games, three basketball games, and one like World Series prop bet doing daily fantasy like is any of this stuff gonna like am i gonna lose my ability to do daily fantasy at some point or am i gonna lose my ability to lose my money the way i want to (laughs) no if anything if anything it's gonna be harder and harder to stop losing okay (laughs) At, at least in my opinion i mean right now you you would have to get in the car and drive to a neighboring state to do some of those bets. Not all of them, mm-hmm. but some of them. And I would guess that, you know, within the decade, you won't have to do that. You will just be able to sit on your couch and tap your a button on your phone. Or my uh, or the my temple. Yeah, yeah. Whatever <laughs> whatever we have at that point. Uh but yeah, I whatever black yeah, mirror I, fantasy football <laughs> tech we have in the future. Yeah. No, and I think I, I think your prediction, too, Andy, is absolutely going to come true. I mean, uh, sports stadiums now have gambling parlors where you can place bets. Some of the new oh, ones. Oh um, my god! Yeah, I mean, I saw. I could. I could definitely see telecasts starting to do things. Um, I could see gambling becoming a bigger deal at uh, football stadiums. You know, there there's free Wi-Fi in stadiums now, so people can check their fantasy football team while they're watching the game. And the pandemic has um, made just made just everybody bored enough such that traditional fans yeah. of sports and sports betting have started taking a liking to it. Yeah, so I think it's here to stay. And uh, yeah, for, for the most part, it's it's all legal. I think one of the reasons why I wanted to go back and visit this topic, besides the fact that I love talking about football, is because a lot of times when we look at Supreme Court decisions, we say, you know, this is really going to change things. This is going to be a seminal decision. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't quite work out as predicted. In this case, that 2018 Supreme Court decision really was a seminal decision that has drastically changed sports betting in the U.S. and really created, you know, a multi-billion dollar industry. So I think it's worth revisiting some of these cases on occasion and seeing how things have developed Mm -hmm. over time. And that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Fine Laws Don't Judge Me. Please subscribe to, rate, and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Check the show notes for related content. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email at finelawpodcasts at thompsonreuters.com. 